Do you like ghosts, cryptids, celestial beings, and witchcraft? Then you'll likely find us tolerable. We are a pair of best witches approaching the paranormal in this realm and beyond with respectful and curious nature. We love to weave within the weird. So So let's get frightfully delightful. We are ever grateful for the opportunities to share space with, learn from, work with, listen, and hold witness the people, ancestors, matriarchs, spirits, and creatures, past and present, whose stewardship and cultural teachings have brought life to the lands upon which we dwell. May we all do our part as uninvited guests to ensure that the land is stewarded and led by its rightful guardians and spirits. Luna resides on the traditional lands of the First Peoples of the Mississaugas of Scugog Island First Nation. These lands are covered under the Williams Treaties and rest within the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg. The land, sea, sky, and spirit that Amanda resides within is vast and deep Stalo Coast Salish traditional territory. The area upon which she lives, learns, unlearns, and tells her stories within is stewarded and cared for by the Chilwayak people. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> I wish I could have made it darker in here, but I, I, that was a last minute decision. I almost did the same thing, but I couldn't find my flashlight. <laughs> I love you so much. That was such a perfect like entrance because I was just turning down my notifications. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you popped in like this over my notifications. And then you, it's a dark and stormy night. <laughs> I wish it was a dark and stormy night. Me too. Hello, Luna. Hello, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited for our ghosty story. Um, and I tried to make it dark in here, but I, my house is naturally dark. <laughs> so, like, I can make it brighter, but this is as dark as it gets in the daytime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How was your week? It's been okay. Um, it's like a cloudy, overcast day today. So, my favorite. Yeah. We might get some rain. I'm hoping we do. Mm hmm. But yeah, I've been I've been working on this thing, this ghost story that I'm going to mm. be telling you. So I'm very excited about that. I'm very, very excited. You remind so when you said that it was overcast, it reminded me how much I love that weather and how much I don't care for the summer. And then <laughs> it reminded me of Reverend Terry's post today or yesterday about like yes the global warming is affecting the wildfires but witches do not fuck with weather magic because (laughs) you know there's (laughs) there's this like chaotic element to when a lot of really diverse witches and practitioners um converge and call on different different beings to assist in their elemental or weather magic like just (laughs) Fucking don't put your energy into signing petitions and asking your government to do effective changes against 
climate action and Mm -hmm. global warming. So just in case anybody wants, there's a couple links in my activism highlight and there's some petitions that you can sign and it goes directly to Justin Trudeau. Okay. So there's a pipeline one. And then there's another one asking, not asking, demanding that he does something about the uh, the oil industry and putting caps on that and stuff. So Okay. I I will share those in the um, show notes too. Yeah. It's uh, an organization called 350, like 350. Okay, cool. Oh, I'll, I'll grab you the links. Okay, week. It's been it's been really busy, but like in like bursts of busyness. And being Addison, because I'm home, Addison does not want to take the bus anymore. So I have to like schedule my appointments and like the, like the ritual work that I need to do like on my own in like those pockets of time. So that's been uh, interesting. I pulled the emperor today, which um, it's funny because when I was getting up and dressed, I was like, I'm going to pull a card for, for the energy of the day. But I had been, I had been thinking about how how to frame my the structure of my days a little bit better, and then I pulled the mm-hmm. emperor, which is <laughs> literally structure and where are you feeling structured or where do you need to implement structure? So yeah, very on the nose card pulls, and I wanted to do a spooky one, and ghost stories popped out from my John Jennison. No and way! I'm I'm not kidding. I even tagged us on our frightfully delightful Instagram. Because it was like I was shuffling it and then this popped out. So nice. I love when divination is like very clear, you know, mm-hmm. like there's not, there's not a lot of miscons or there's not a lot of um, ways that you can misconstrue that. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're doing something a little bit different than our first few episodes. And we want to kind of explore telling each other ghost stories or just about interesting paranormal things that we are interested in individually and telling each other about those things. I think also like the the story that you're going to be telling is mostly in your own words, right? Yes. But I feel like not only is that like a really interesting way to explore your own personal gnosis in how you feel about different lore and um, hauntings and stories. Mm-hmm. But it is really interesting as well. Like I, this kind of feeds into my, my fright. I, I have a love of like poetry and prose, like everybody's differing narratives and how they, how they express them is very fascinating to me yeah and I have a very an interesting fright for you and it is um it is a series on the interwebs and it's by uh William Moore Music and it's Lost Verses so he goes into um he plays like both parts (laughs) he like plays a friend and then the person who's telling him the lost verse Mm -hmm. and like you know the um you know the like how some some phrases like a jack of all trades yeah how it's presented in the world is actually incomplete and is the opposite of how it's used yeah right so like a, ma- a jack of all trades is a master of none and then it even goes on farther than that so i was i'm always interested to find 
differing layers of things like that, especially within words and stories, poems and prose, because words are inherently magic. Like even the act of like writing something down, like that's very ritualistic and very Mm -hmm. like, this is going to stay on the paper, you know? Um, it's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. So that kind of like putting things from your brain onto paper is science and magic at the same time. (laughs) The first one is uh, see a penny, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. And then, so there's actually like several lines after it. So I'm going to read it to you. Okay. See a penny, pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. Catch a star and make a wish. Greet the dawn with sunlight's kiss. In the forest, seek a door. Opens to a forgotten lore. Catch the glow of a fairy's flight in the heart of the darkest night. Wake a shadow deep and old. In the gloom, its secrets unfold. Pick a relic, dark and cursed. Feel the universe reversed. Find a mirror, black and cold, reflecting all the tales untold. Watch the stars in pattern shift. Feel reality start to rift. See a penny, make your claim, but beware the endless game. Once a charm of simple luck, now a door to madness struck. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't it? That's shocking to me that that's not more known. Like, I had no idea it went on like that. You know, Um, I now that I'm reading it, I... I wonder if he made it himself, like if he made, if he made the lost verses. So there's another one that is in regards to crows. Like, you know, there's like that old saying, like one for sorrow, two for joy. Yeah. I'll read you that one too, if you want. Yeah. I wonder, cause he is a poet and a musician. So I wonder if maybe he created them. So for my research bit, I will, uh, I'll, I'll look into it a little bit more and see if I can find sources for it yeah. because I, I would love to, I would love to continue on this, like this, this rabbit hole because finding lost verses is almost like, it's like finding this little treat for your brain. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when there's the lilting and the cadence of the of the story or the the words is like it's just it's nice to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I really love it. Also, I really love making sigils out of poems or like lines of poems. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna make one in regards to catch a star and make a wish, greet the dawn with sunlight's kiss. That one is going to be um I think this month's Kofi community sigil. Oh, I am really excited to see what you do with that. Ever since I did, do you remember the February um Be Still Our Haunted Hearts? Yeah. That one, it it's been in the back of my mind since February to to start a series of poetic sigils. So I'm really excited to start that. And that's my fright. Do you want to hear the other one? Yeah. Okay. And this one I think differs between um, European cultures too. I've heard, I've, I did see uh, a different um, retelling of it too. One for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told, eight for a tale that stars have spun, nine for a gate that can't be undone. 10 for a river of forgotten lore, 11 for a key to the spectral door, 12 for a mirror mirror that reflects the night, 
13 for a beast that lives in spite, 14 for a realm that none can reach, 15 for speech no tongue can teach, 16 for a dream trapped in stone, 17 for the old god's hollow moan, 18 for the abyss that gazes back, 19 for the formless cosmic rack, 20 for a magpie's final verse in a universe where shadows converse. Wow, I love that. I love the spectral door. I love the spectral door. What I love the most is 17 for the old God's hollow moan. Yeah. Like I can almost like, it's like what, if a mountain groaned, that's what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. That is my, that is my fright. Nice. Yeah. My, my fright is going to be my ghost story this week. So I'll save that. But what was your delight? My delight is I have been making a lot of handouts on, on Canva because I really like I really like record keeping, as you know, mm-hmm. because of my transposing of our spooky phone notes. And I just found out that my highlighter has a fine tip. <laughs> that changes my whole life. Okay, so that is a that is an organic delight just now. It is the <laughs> midliner zebra highlighter. It has a uh, has a brush and then it has a a tip as well. So I'll make sure to share that <laughs> on our photo down. <laughs> My predetermined delight has been creating these ritual sheets and organizing the things that go along with my readings and my ritual work for people, so that they have something that they can look back on so that they can maybe glean different insights from the words that kind of just like fall out of my pen. And I also found that I can take the PDF from my iPad and I can write directly on it Mm -hmm. on an app and it's called Caitlin actually showed it to me because she was she was highlighting something on her iPad. And I was like, how do you highlight on your iPad? That's wicked. And she showed me and it's just called Good Notes. Okay. So you get three notebooks within the app. Mm-hmm. And then you have you do have to pay for more. But I found a workaround it for now because I do plan on paying for the full version. But I can't at the moment. So I found a workaround where if I upload the PDF, you write on it. And when you um, like, I can delete the the words, but the, the sheet stays the same. Mm-hmm. So if I were to do this in Procreate and I uploaded like the picture of the sheet and I started writing on it, if I went to delete anything, it would delete the sheet itself. Yeah. Right. Because it's not separate layers, but it is separate layers in GoodNotes. And I am delighted because that means I don't have to like print them out and then scan them or take a picture of them. I can just digitize like it's it's all digital so that they can if I'm not in person with the seeker then I can I can just send it off. Yeah, that's very handy. It's very handy and I I don't know what it is about mystical fucking handouts. I just love them. <laughs> I don't know if this would be considered like compartmentalization, but it's all things that I like it's mostly like questions that I ask during a session like what is your intention with this? Like what kind of seasonal like do you find yourself asking the same questions every October? You know, like if you're, are you seeking this information out like out of the blue or is this something that you've been thinking about a lot? So it gives me a really interesting um, jumping off point and it also gets the other person to think about it in a way that's not just like, I just have a question and I just need you to answer it, mm-hmm. you know? 
it's a little bit meatier. So yeah, I'm I'm delighted that I figured that out, and it flexes all of my creative, well, most of my creative muscles, and while also being extremely organized. That's awesome. Thank you. I like printouts too because, like, well, you can, like you said, save them digitally. But if you want to print them out, then you can hole punch them, put them in a binder, move stuff around if you want. And I like that kind of flexibility. Whereas, you know, if it's a a bound journal, you can't do that really. And you can't add stuff into it or whatever. So I like kind of that flexibility. Yeah, I was actually thinking about putting all of my handouts in one journal, like printing one of each and just seeing like seeing them all together to see which ones I really like. Yeah, because I like having like cohesiveness. But I also know that the handouts that I made when I first started like doing like moon circle and stuff look completely different because a, I've learned like a whole bunch and yeah, and B, like the technology that I use is completely different. So I used to, I used to do all of my handouts on word. Now I do them all on Canva. Yeah. Whereas before at that point in time, I thought Canva was just for pictures. <laughs> like I just thought it was a photo editing and like graphic designing, like, but I didn't realize how deep graphic design actually goes yeah you want to see what your handouts would look like kind of in a journal format well I just kind of want to see them all together in one place so that I can see like a what I'm missing because I I don't have like a schedule of like hey I worked on this I worked on this I worked on this it's all kind of like when the project comes to mind or when I'm caught like when I'm asked to do a project so it would be nice to to have it all just in one place. And then if it does fall together as a really interesting kind of like grimoire, then maybe, maybe I will. Yeah. I can just like offer like printouts or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I just kind of, just for now, for me, I just want to see them all in one place and to kind of see what I like visually and what inform like the content, like what I would change or and the layout specifically. Hmm, very cool. I made I made one that I'm really, really, really happy with. I added it to our Google Drive. I didn't make a new folder for it. <laughs> I used one that we already have, which is a shocking thing. <laughs> So it is how I'm going to um, present our Kofi community sigils for the time being. Yeah. And I made one for one of our Kofi members, but I made three. So I did that. I don't know if you can see it. That's beautiful. It's really pretty. And I put, so it has our, um, it has our little, little logos on the bottom and our ghosties in the top there. Yeah, I love that so much. And then that way it's actually my handwriting and it's not just typing. Typing. So I really like that. And I find that with typing, I get kind of like a bit of a block. Yeah. I don't get a block on my um, on my desktop. I can like, I can go and go and go and go. Mm-hmm. But I end up doing a lot of editing on the desktop. Like, I'll just let my stream of consciousness go, then I'll go back. But with actually writing it, it, there's something about how the words just come through. And it's almost like my brain forgets that there's a delete button. So I'm very (laughs) conscious of what I'm putting on the page. Yeah. And how um, how it comes through. I really hope that our Kofi member, because it's all like chicken scratch. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I'm hoping that once I get a little bit more used to doing the handwriting on the iPad, that it'll it'll flow a little bit nicer. But the the app is also really great for digitizing um, uh, digitizing sigils and like creating them too. So oh, nice! And that's the Good Notes app. That's the Good Notes. Yeah, I love the way that Procreate has different brushes for everything. But sometimes I get overwhelmed with the amount of options that I have. Mm-hmm. Whereas Good Notes, it's literally just like just the size of the brush right now that I can choose. Yeah, and that that really helps the flow of the creation. I am delighted with technology. <laughs> <laughs> My delight for this week is my partner and I worked together to create myself a herb drying rack. So I had this vision in my head of essentially a screen where I could lay flowers and plant material on the screen to dry instead of having to bundle it up or like if I'm trying to dry flowers or stuff that just you can't bundle like just leaves and things, I wanted a screen. So we took some pieces of of wood and some screen and created a frame. And then I um, thought, well, where is this going to go? So yeah. we created... Kind how of big like, is it? It's pretty big. Um, I, like I a, would have to like measure it. It's like a like window. A window. It's like a small... It's a window size. So... We attached paracord to it and put a hook in the ceiling and I have like a little pulley system so I can lower it down when I want to access it and put stuff on it or take stuff off. And then I can pull the rope and it pulls up towards the ceiling so that when I, like I can get it out of the way. Right. It turned out really, really well. I put some hooks on the sides for when I do want to hang bundles off of it. And then the frame part is just for drying like leaves and, and stuff. So I'll have some photos of it for the photo dump. Um, mm-hmm. it, it turned out really good. It's pretty big. I wasn't expecting it to be so big, but I, I'm kind of happy that it is because yeah. then I don't have limitations that way. Yeah. But I'll take some pictures because I'm going to be putting some stuff to dry on it on Saturday, I think. So I'll take some pictures and I'll show, you'll see what it looks like. It's very, very cool. And it cost, I don't know, less than $30 to make with all the, the stuff we needed. And it took hardly any time at all. I think that what took the longest amount of time was I stained the wood. So I had to wait. 24 hours for it to dry was it easy to get the like did you do anything to the wood for the screen to fit or did you just like nail it in we just staple gunned it down um so we we put we lined it up we stapled the one side and then kind of smoothed and stretched it going down the other sides and just staple gunned it was that part very like fiddly it was a little bit and it's not drum tight but that doesn't really matter it's just gonna be plant matter on it it's not like it's heavy yeah so that's really exciting Mm -hmm. I love that it's on a pulley system for some reason like that's very like green witch meets like steampunk for me (laughs) (laughs) I love that that, I love that that, so much 
that like technology working with like the environment, you know, yeah. it's just, it's very, it's very practical, which, and I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Cause I could just pull it up. I pull it up. It's, it goes up towards the ceiling and then it's out of the way. And then the area that it's in, I am starting, I'm making a little reading nook. So when I find the right chair, I'll yeah. be, I'll have that little area to like sit and read so I can just sit underneath the drying plants. That's going to be so serene. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a very nice corner. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm ready for my scary story now. Okay. Most of us have grown up being told some kind of urban legend. Some classics I remember are The Babysitter and The Man Upstairs, where the sitter realizes the scary phone calls are coming from inside the house they're in. Or the one about Bloody Mary, where you stand in front of a mirror in the dark and call her name repeatedly, like some kind of malevolent Beetlejuice, until she appears and you supposedly meet your gruesome demise. There's also many that are local to specific areas, like the Jersey Devil or the Mothman sightings could be considered local urban legends contained within a specific geological area. The story I'm going to tell you today is like that, a local legend that seems to be shared by teens and young adults, not just in town, but the surrounding towns and cities as well. And from what I've seen in my research, reports of this legend being told date back to the 1960s and 70s. However, an inside source of mine says it goes back even further. Allow me to tell you the tale of The Haunting of Ghost Road. I first heard about Ghost Road as a teen, which, at the time I'm telling you this story, was about 25 years ago. I grew up in a small city that is about half an hour drive south of Port Perry, where the legend of Ghost Road takes place. It's interesting to consider how these stories traveled to the surrounding towns and cities, as this was before everyone carried the interwebs in their pockets. Regardless, it was quite the popular urban tale to tell, and it was somewhat common for teens to tell each other this spooky story and then head up to Port Perry packed into someone's vehicle to see if they could find the truth for themselves. According to the lore, one dark night a young man was riding his motorcycle on the back roads of Scugog Island, which is on the outskirts of Port Perry. The actual date seems to vary, with some sources stating 1968, while others say 1957 or 58, my inside source guesses it was closer to 1942 to 46, but more on that later. Now, these back roads of Scugog Island are dark, even now, with all the light pollution coming from the main center of town. So I can only imagine how dark it was back then, especially on the island where it was mostly just farmland and wooded areas. So picture this young man with only the dim light from the single headlight illuminating the road in front of his motorcycle, cruising the dirt roads surrounded by trees and darkened farm fields. He turned onto the small stretch of road, which wasn't much more of a small access road between two concession roads. As the story goes, he decided to test the limits of his motorcycle to see just how fast he could go. 
And so on this small stretch of dirt road, he raised his speed to max, but quickly came to realize his mistake. The stretch of road was short and ended in a three-way junction or crossroads. The road he was on ended, and on the other side was a farmer's field, which is surprisingly still there today. At the speed he was flying down the road on, he was unable to stop before the junction and thus lost control of his bike. Here, the legend splits into two different endings. Some say he lost control, helplessly flying off of his motorcycle and hitting his head on a large rock that sits on the one corner of the junction. The much more gruesome ending? Well, that one ends with the young man being decapitated by the barbed wire fence that surrounds the edge of the farmer's field. Either way, it ends in the man's untimely and tragic death. The lore goes on to say that because of this tragedy, the poor young man repeats that fateful ride down that short stretch of road every night. And if you go up to Ghost Road and park your car or stand in the road and turn off any light sources, you'll see a single white light that looks like a motorcycle headlight come down the road towards the three-way junction. And once it passes you, the white light turns into a smaller red light, the tail light, as the phantom rider heads towards that barbed wire fence. A tragic time loop set to repeat for infinity. As with most urban legends, there's no tangible evidence to support this story. There's no police records, obituaries, or news articles, nothing but word-of-mouth legend. However, I have a special inside source that may shed some light onto the credibility of this story, which I will get into more detail in a minute. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the phenomena of the area first. Over the years, a lot of various phenomena has been reported in this area, the main one being the lights. There's reports not just of the phantom motorcycle headlight, but I also saw a few stories suggesting strange lights in the surrounding area in general. Some sources I read talked about the various debunking people have tried to do in relation to the lights, with some suggesting they're merely seeing actual vehicle headlights in the distance from one of the main roads or reflections off the lake nearby. Both of these suggestions I don't buy. For one, you can't see the lake from the road, especially in the summer when the trees are in full bloom. And while it's possible one might be seeing actual headlights from a neighboring road, I feel like it would be fairly obvious and it would depend on where you're standing or parked and the time of year. You'll see in the photo dump that this road is flanked on both sides by trees and wooded areas. There are no houses, only a horse farm nearby, and the farmer's fields I mentioned previously. How far is the lake? The lake, I would say, is... I don't, I don't know how to me- measure distance. Can you see it from the, the road or the rock? No. Okay. You might be able to in the winter time if the conditions are just right. Okay. If it's like clear sky, good weather, you might, but in the spring and summer and even the fall, because of all the trees, there's like houses for like further on. Yeah. 
it would all block the view of being able to see the lake, like from what I've seen from there. Can I ask, I'm sorry if you already said this, but I was very enraptured by the way that you were like um, narrating. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I forgot. Don't apologize. But when, what was the date? Like, I know you, you said the year, like the years and all the, so what is, what was the date or what was the season that this happened? Nothing says. Really? Yes. Nothing gives a hint towards a month, a season, nothing. It just has, just has the year. Wow. So this happened in 1968. This happened in 1957. But your source says 1942. Yeah, between 1942 to 46. Wow. Those are are very different jumps in time. Yeah, big jump in time. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Thank you. It's okay. Okay, so people have also reported other strange phenomena, including phantom sounds of children, their cars, while completely turned off and parked, being pulled forward or backward as if by an invisible force. Also, electrical anomalies such as batteries draining too quickly or electrical equipment malfunctioning. There's even a few mentions of UFO sightings in the area. As what tends to happen with places that have stories like this, the strange phenomena seems to feed off itself or the people experiencing it, which seems to create more and more high strangeness. It's absolutely fascinating. And while I have theories and ideas, I don't have answers or hard proof. I mentioned before that I had a special inside source, which I'd like to tell you a little bit more about now. My partner, known as our frightfully delightful Joe, grew up in Port Perry. Actually, his childhood home is only a few short minutes drive away from Ghost Road. His family has had roots in this town going back at least four to five generations. My special inside source is none other than Joe's grandma, who also grew up living on the island, and she believes she was friends with the younger sister of the young man that supposedly died on that dark night by losing control of his speeding motorcycle. Wow. Now, I know how stereotypical that might sound just how in line with how these legends are told. My friend knew a friend whose sister's cousin's uncle, (laughs) but... A friend of a friend of mine. Yes, but let me share with you the information she gave to us, and we'll go from there. Here's what Grandma Helen shared with us. She believes the incident happened when she was between the ages of 8 and 12 which would have made the approximate year of the accident between 1942 and 1946, which is a big difference from the 1957, 58, and 68 dates I found online. The last name she gave us was Tetlow, and that she was friends with the younger sister. When I looked up the last name Tetlow, I found a woman named Joyce and her obituary from January of this year. She was 100 years old when she passed. In the obituary, it said that she had a sister named Phyllis and two brothers named Tyrone and Gordon. It stated that both of the brothers were predeceased before her passing in January of 2023. This information seems to line up 
with what Grandma Helen had told us about the Tetlow family. I also found a photo on the Scugog Heritage website of a young man named Gordon Tetlow standing in front of a delivery truck. The photo was dated 1942. This also lines up with Grandma Helen's info and what I saw in Joyce's obituary. I was unable to find an obituary for either of the Tetlow brothers. I will include the photo in our photo dump. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Grandma Helen said the young man was more of a teenager in age when this happened. He was young and reckless, and there was possibly alcohol or racing involved, as she remembers it. This could be why it's hard to find evidence, such as newspaper articles or an obituary. Back then, it was easier and convenient for the family to, quote, keep things off record. She said with the possibility of alcohol being involved, the family might have felt shame and thus wanted to keep the incident hush-hush. Even though in Joyce's obituary, it said she had two brothers who passed before her, I was unable to find obituaries for either of them, which I found strange. And again, I'm aware that this is so stereotypical of how these urban legends always seem to start. Grandma Helen, knowing the younger sister of the family, sounds somewhat similar to the typical, my friend had a friend whose brother's grandfather knew this other guy who... The thing is, she distinctly remembers these occurrences and people. At 89 years old, she's still sharp as a tack and often tells us stories from her childhood and growing up in this area. So I, I believe her here. What little information I could find online does match with what she told us, and the lack of either Tetlow brother having an obituary is very strange. So, is this a true tale? or simply another urban legend. I'm not sure, as we still don't have any hard evidence of the young man's tragic death occurring on that road. I will say, Grandma Helen's memories are intriguing, and I would like to spend some more time investigating her claims to see if we can solve the mystery. Maybe one day soon, I can take you all along, virtually, to the road, and we can see if we can experience the lights for ourselves. Yes. Um, first of all, that was incredible. Thank you so much. Your prose thank you. so wonderful. When I I got literal chills when you were describing how the white light comes towards you and then all of a sudden you see on the other side of you the red light. Like it's like that time like you like it's almost like our like that flesh vessel is like the time skip, right? Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. it, it's very, um, like I got, I got literal chills at that point, at that point. And I think that it's interesting in the way that high strangeness shows up in the area. Mm -hmm. It's not just that one incident, like maybe before his tragic accident, there were other things of high strangeness that occurred, but his was like one of the more, like even though it's not well documented, it's still a, like a, a point where people start recognizing the high strangeness more. Like it's, yeah. it's like, a, it's like a marker. Yeah. 
which is, and it's also very interesting that there are so many, well, there's like a significant time frame that is differing from story, like from who, between who's telling it. And I think that I'm so excited to for you to dig into it more because that's the thing with high strangeness is when you start seeking it out, you get more and more yeah. and more in, like, in little clips and things like that. And you never know, like in a year, you might be revisiting this story with a completely new perspective. Yeah. And like, that's why I mentioned when it comes to like high strangeness and phenomena and stuff, it seems to build and feed off of itself or the people experiencing it and then that creates more which creates more and more and it's just it's very fascinating to see how these things build in layers yeah very very cool well done on your research too thank you besides the information that you didn't even have that was my only that was like literally my only only question because I really wanted to like visualize like what kind of night it was because then that could indicate like maybe like levels of how intense people are experiencing activity in that area as well Mm -hmm. I should ask grandma Helen if she remembers yeah I have to ask her in things in in small amounts so she doesn't get too like what are you doing like why do you want to know all this stuff I think sometimes she just likes telling us stories yeah yeah I should ask her if she remembers it was a a long time ago for her but the things she has told us about it she is consistent in in telling us every time that we ask her questions so like that's why i said i believe her i believe that she's remembering this correctly yeah she's credible yeah i'll see i'll ask her some more questions and joe and i are going to take a little road trip because Apparently, members of the Tetlo family are buried in the local cemetery here. So we're going to respectfully go have a look around and see if I can find a Gordon or a Tyrone. Yep. And to see if they're in there or what. Because, yeah, like I'm very, very curious to see, you know, if maybe people just got the dates wrong and... Yeah. Because of certain things, it wasn't reported. Because I like I came across in 1983, a reporter for the local paper interviewed a retired OPP officer. And he said he had been an officer since 1954 in that area. And he recalls nothing of that happening. However, 1954, the date's still off. If it happened... Yeah. In, in between 1942 and 46, then he wasn't an, an officer at that time. Right. You know, um, wouldn't have been called to the scene or whatever. Yeah. I think that there's something about the fact that the the legend, um, as it's told, gets the dates very wrong. It's like 11 years off minimum. Yeah. To get the dates that wrong you know, is maybe why people can't find more information. Yeah. Will you be taking your spirit box to the graveyard? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure Joe takes notes. Oh, I will. I will. If we use it there. I think it would be a good idea, especially if you do find if Gordon and Tyrone are buried there. I think it would be wise to like 
obviously like check your check your no yes or no meter yeah <laughs> inside but if you do get like a, a welcoming or a curious presence then I would experiment with it for sure yeah. and I would definitely like to take you virtually to the road itself sometime so yes please I really wanted to go and do one of our spooky phone lives there You've been talking about that for almost a year. Yeah. And I wanted to go while the weather, while there was still no bugs. Oh, yeah. That's right. You wanted to go like early spring. Yeah. Well, it was still cold enough at nighttime that there was no mosquitoes because now it's really bad. And you guys will see in the photos, like it's very wooded. It's a lot of like vegetation and plant life at nighttime the bugs get really bad maybe i will maybe i'll just bug spray it up and go but it's cool because it's a very quiet little stretch yeah it's still a dirt road like it's not even paved really are there are there houses around yes but not on that part of the road itself okay i think there's even a lavender farm nearby there's a lavender farm a horse farm the field where that's right across that he possibly ran into the fence of they have buffalo in there now oh Um, if you go at the right time sometimes you see them wandering around in the field that's really cute and they're very they're very cute very cute they're bumbly but brutal i love it a couple of years ago joe and i saw about 20 or 30 feet away from the edge there was like there's it's very marshy and muddy and there was a, a skull like a looked like a cow skull in the mud you sure that. Yeah, that was when you weren't you randonautica, like randonauting? It might have been before that, but oh, okay. we wanted to go and take it, but we also didn't yeah. want to trespass into their field, traipsing mm-hmm. through what looked like a mud pit <laughs> and trying mm-hmm. to um take this random skull. Like it was mass, it was very you could see it from the road. Um, so it was very wow. big. But Joe said sometimes what happens was, you know, if a if a cow gets stuck or hurt and they pass away in the field, it's more economically friendly to just kind of leave them there than mo- try right. and move them. I don't know. I don't think you can do that now because of environmental laws and stuff. But back then, like yeah. if your cow died in the field, it stayed in the field. Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. I don't know if someone else took the skull or what, because it's gone now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'll have some pictures and stuff. The rock is there on the corner. And at one point it was sprayed with like a lot of different graffiti. Like Somebody sprayed a pentacle on there and there was all kinds of just random stuff. But at some point someone came and they spray painted over all of that and then put ghost road on it i love that you'll see that it's very interesting i'm very excited for this uh for next week's photo jump yeah me too yeah wow what a great episode four yeah yeah so good and then um maybe next week you can tell me a ghost story yep i'm going to i don't know what it's gonna be yet but I'm very excited. I'm going to pick Ryan's brain and see if I can find out some information about like local. Um, I can't think of any, like there's nothing that's prevalent, like, um, like Ghost Road was for you. Mm -hmm. 
So I might have to, I might have to do a little bit more digging and research and really like go out and seek people that I can speak to. Yeah. But if, if it all comes together, then I will, um, I'll have a really wicked story. But if, if I, do, if it doesn't come together in a week, then I, I know I have a story that I want to tell you. I know, I know which one I will use as my fallback plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. I can looking forward to it. I'm so excited. I was looking forward to your ghost story all week. <laughs> I sat down and I I wrote the bulk of it in one sitting and I was just wow I was so excited I was like vibrating with excitement like I want to tell you but I don't want to spoil anything I want yeah. you to hear it first as you know as it was written yeah. in my experience yeah I think that um that definitely added to well, not just to my enjoyment, but to the story as a whole, because it is a very intriguing and interesting story of high strangeness. And it there's not an end to it either. Yeah. It's very, very, it's very much like ongoing. So I'm really excited to see where another portion of it takes us. So yeah. that's exciting. If I find any more out, we'll have to part two, revisit it. Yeah. Part two, ghost road. <laughs> experience. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to my ghost story today. Thank you for telling me a spooky ghost story today, Luna. And uh, to our listeners, um, I think we'll do more stuff like this in the future. Yeah. So look forward to that. More ghost stories, more weird paranormal stuff that we find interesting. Yeah. And if, um, if anybody who is... Um, who's listening are our Fridays and delighties. Um, if anybody has a story that they want us to dig into and research or experience, then please message us. Yeah. We're excited to learn more and we want our community involved. So yeah. if you are, if you have maybe like some family folklore or ghost stories that you are comfortable with writing out or having us explore, then I think that would be a really fun way to get together and hang out or have us narrate it for you or however it develops. And if you have something that you'd like us to dig into, then send us a message. Yeah, for sure. As always, thank you for listening to our disembodied voices over the interwebs. We appreciate you and we um, we adore you and we're, we're excited for next week. Yes, we'll see you next week and we'll hopefully see you in our spooky phone lives. Yeah. Okay. I love you, Luna. I love you too. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Boom. Episode four in the books. In the bag, baby. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wonderful journey through the realms of fright and delight. If you'd like to explore further with us, Join us on Instagram at Frightfully.Delightful, where this summer we go live every Thursday or Friday evening at 7 p.m. Pacific for our spooky phone sessions. For those who'd love to dig a little deeper and enjoy monthly downloads, explorations, and behind-the-veil content, we have a Patreon with two different options to feed your curiosity. Check out our page for more details at www.patreon.com slash Frightfully Delightful. 
Until next time, stay curious, weave within the weird, and continue seeking the frightfully delightful moments that make life truly extraordinary. 